Well, good morning, everybody. Every time we gather is special. It's good to see you all today. But there's something extra special about Easter Sunday morning, isn't there? I'm thankful. Normally on Good Friday, we don't have, we didn't have the uh, sunny weather that we normally do. Or what I meant to say was normally on Good Friday, it's usually a dreary day. And Friday was a bit of a sunny day, so that was kind of a treat. And today it's wonderful that the Lord has given us sunshine. We're thankful for that. I remember as a uh, young pastor attending sunrise services on Parliament Hill. Anybody ever do a sunrise service? Seven o'clock, any morning people in the room? No, okay, well we should do one next year. Note to self, let's do one. At the waterfront, seven o'clock, 2022, be there, I'll let you know. Standing on the steps of Parliament Hill in front of the Peace Tower would be the Salvation Army Band with all of their brass instruments and we would be singing, up from the grave he arose, and can it be these great old hymns of the faith. I remember standing there with Christians from all over the city, then hopping in the car after that, going back to my home church, and then being with my, my home congregation. Something really special. And this morning, as we have lifted our voices, we join those in Barrie, and we join those with brothers and sisters around the world to give praise to Jesus. Yesterday, I received a, a note on WhatsApp from a, a brother in Albania, and he wished me happy Easter. And so just know that there are brothers and sisters around the world that are worshiping the same Jesus that we worship. Thanks be to God for that. Well, where Friday was a day of mourning and sadness, uh, today is so very different. It's resurrection morning, and we sing that song, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Charles Wesley's hymn. Today is a day of realized hope where we're freshly reminded of the finished work of Jesus. It's done. We're reminded of the fact that Satan is finally defeated and that God's work by his Holy Spirit in the world of redeeming every nation and tribe and tongue out of, out of that group of people for himself is going on. God is building his church. God is at work in the world. Christ is Lord. And today's a day that fuels our awareness that we serve a risen Savior. Where's Jesus? He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's alive. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that first resurrection Sunday morning was a Sunday morning like no other. It was the dawning of a new era of redemption. The resurrection, if we step back from a doctrinal point of view, it's the central tenet of our faith, its core, the greatest event in human history. The resurrection matters. It matters supremely because everything that you believe as a follower of Jesus Christ is based upon it. If the resurrection isn't true, then Christianity is false. If the resurrection never happened, then we are still dead in our sins and Christ is not God. Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection. But it is true. It is true that Jesus was dead and was buried and raised and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear, nothing to fear in life, nothing to fear in death. This is the hope that you have if you believe in Christ. I don't know if you were little and you remember having those playground talks with your friends and you, you know, you're talking about how strong your dad was and they, how strong their dad was and he could do this. And, and you'd say, my dad's stronger than your dad. Well, on Resurrection Easter Sunday morning, we say, my dad is stronger than your dad because my dad is the biggest and he is the strongest and nothing is gonna beat him. This is our, our father, this is our God. This is our resurrected and risen savior. And today, as we celebrate the resurrection, it tells us that Jesus is who he says he was and that the work on the cross that he did was effective to pay for our sins. And he's sovereign over all the, the demons and, and over all the earthly rulers and all the spiritual rulers. Christ is Lord. We come this morning in the final chapter of Matthew to, 
Matthew's announcement of victory, our victory in Christ. And we share in the victory of Jesus today. If you are a believer, you are in him. He is in you, and his victory is your victory. I'm going to speak to the guys for a second. Ladies, you can tune out for 30 seconds. Jason, I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone to the fridge looking for the, the mayonnaise, and you're looking, and you're looking, and you know, fridges can be full, and you can't find it. And you say to Mary Lou, Mary Lou, have you seen the mayonnaise? And she walks over to the fridge, she opens it up, she goes, it's right there, top shelf, right in front. And you said, oh yeah, I guess I must have missed it. Guys, you ever done that before? You ever had this, like, I think we call it domestic blindness or something, or fridge blindness, something like that? It's like, wow, how come I didn't see that? Well, this is exactly what was happening to the disciples. On Sunday, we talked about that they just didn't get it. They were blind. They were spiritually blind. Jesus had told them repeatedly, but they didn't get it. They didn't hear what he was saying. They couldn't see what God was doing until, until their eyes were opened. This morning, we need help by God's Spirit to, to mine the depths of the resurrection, to see what we've missed. And we want God to inflame us today because the truths of the resurrection, what they do is they pour gas on the fire of our worship and the fire of our zeal for Jesus Christ. And we leave as joy-filled people, even as the women did as they left the tomb that morning. John Piper writes about this very thing, about when we don't see as we should and when we don't understand as we should. He said this, if your life is flat, empty, without exhilaration, without significance, without a single and fulfilling orientation, it is because you do not see Christ, you do not see the risen Christ for who he really is. Some of you see him scarcely at all, perhaps. Others have had such a pitifully small and sentimental picture of him on the wall of your mind that you're starving for the real thing. Our souls are starving for the glimpse of Jesus Christ, for the real encounter with the risen Lord. And today is the antidote for the flatness of faith. Today is the antidote for the absence of exhilaration. When you see Jesus, it all changes. And by God's grace and by the power of the Spirit, we're going to see afresh this morning what we need to see. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. Let's open our Bibles there together. Matthew chapter 28. Finding there our significance and our orientation as we see again the risen Christ Understanding the resurrection will change your outlook on everything in life. Let's stand, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here, for he's risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Go ahead and take a seat. The text this morning tells us to come and see, to come and see. This is how I want us to approach the passage this morning, asking this question, what does God want us to see? Perhaps we can pray this really simple prayer together today. Would you pray this? Just close your eyes for a moment. Just say, Lord, what do I need to see today? Pray that prayer. Lord, what do I need to see today? Lord, would you help all of us to see as we need to? Open our eyes and reveal Jesus Christ, your son to us by your spirit for his glory and our good, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are in our series called In Pursuit. Palm Sunday, we heard that Jesus was in pursuit of the Father's will. He always did what the Father wanted. Friday, we discussed the fact that we pursue the wrong hero, The crowd wanted Barabbas in their sinfulness. We pursue the wrong hero. And today, we meet the risen Jesus Christ who pursues us out of the grave, who comes to find lost people, bewildered, weary, tired, broken people. He wants us to come and see. Come and see what? The first thing is this. Come and see what you missed. In Matthew 28, this is the powerful climax to everything else he's written in his gospel. Love's redeeming, work is done, salvation has come. And now, in just a few verses, we're going to see the gospel going out into the whole world. We're going to hear about that next week in the Great Commission. Come and see. Next week we discuss, go and tell. Matthew's gospel began in the early chapters with the revelation of the king, Jesus coming to earth, his birth. In these final chapters, the last seven chapters, we have been discussing, Matthew points out the rejection of the king. And in this final chapter, he's describing the rising of the king. Friday, we finished off at the end of chapter 27, where Joseph of Arimathea, who was a follower of Jesus, wrapping the body of Jesus in a burial shroud and placing him in Joseph's own tomb. This was a fulfillment of what Isaiah had said 700 years earlier in Isaiah chapter 53. He writes, and they made his grave, speaking of Jesus, with the wicked And with a rich man in his death, Joseph of Arimathea was a a rich man, gave his tomb up. Friday was a day of unspeakable horror, a day that we can't even begin to imagine. There was Jesus, dead, lying in the sealed tomb. And as evening came to the disciples, it appeared that everything was lost, that their dreams were shattered, trying to figure out, trying to process, was this the end of the story? Was it the end of Jesus? Was it the end of all their hopes? And on three occasions leading up to his death, Jesus told his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem, that he would be betrayed, that he would suffer and be killed and rise on the third day. I wonder as we read the story, did anyone, even the most organized, the most optimistic, uh, the most attentive listener to the bunch, did anyone make a note in their calendar? Did anyone put on the calendar, third day, exclamation mark, star, highlight? Did anyone hear what he said and take to heart that something big was going to happen? Was there anyone? Anyone at all? Well, you've read the story. It appears not. Nobody saw. They were living below the promise. 
Verse 1 and 28, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see, see what? What did they go to see? Did they go to see the big surprise? No, they went to see the tomb. They came with deep affection, they came with devotion. These two Marys came early on Sunday morning. They were the last to leave Calvary and they were the first to come to the tomb. So, did they set the alarm to see Jesus risen from the dead? No. They did have their alarm set, but their plan was not to see the risen Savior, but to anoint the body of their dead teacher. They had come to see the one who was now seemingly defeated and silenced forever. But boy, were they about to be surprised. I don't know if you've ever had a knock at your door. And, uh, you know, you, you open the door and, and someone is there that you think is a continent away or someone that you didn't expect, a family member shows up, surprise, I'm here. Those are great moments because somebody you love shows up in front of you. And boy, were they about to be surprised. They got a whole lot more than they could imagine. They were going to see the unbelievable and experience the unthinkable. It was sort of like the disciples on the road to Emmaus In Luke chapter 24, they didn't see either. Jesus walking with them said, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. And and I think about myself, and maybe we just need to stop for a moment and say, is that like me? Isn't that the way it is with us? We're slow to get it. We're slow to believe. We're slow to hear. We're slow to realize that everything that Jesus said is true. So this morning, the Lord invites us. He says, come, come and see what you missed. Here's the second thing. Come and see the defeated enemies. Come and see the defeated enemies. What did they see when they got to the tomb? Well, the first thing they saw was an angel. They saw an angel of God who was at work. And angels are showing up all over the place. In Jesus' birth narrative, the angels of God, the heavenly messengers, are speaking to Joseph and to Mary to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. They appear to the shepherds, filling the sky with the praises of God. It's appropriate that the coming of Jesus, the angels are there, and at the resurrection of Jesus, there's an angel. This angel was on very special resurrection morning assignment. I don't know if they had to like, do good stuff or you know, it was their, their time, just like this next guy was up, but this particular angel got the job. What a job it was. His appearance was like lightning. He shows up in heavenly glory. And if you read the stories of the Bible, oftentimes when angels show up, people are pretty surprised. His clothing is like blinding white snow on a bright, sunny day. Can't stand to look, it's so bright. Well, these guys are very powerful, and they show up. And who is standing guarding the tomb? but a squad of soldiers. And the women came, and they see these soldiers that are rendered useless by the angel, verse 4. For fear of him, for fear of the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. There may have been as many as 16 soldiers guarding the tomb. The Romans, the Jews, wanted to do everything to make sure that this grave was not going to be tampered with. They didn't want anybody touching it. They didn't want anybody stealing the body of Jesus. They didn't want any more nonsense with this teacher. But for fear of seeing the angel, the guards had their own earthquake. And that's actually what happened. In verse 2, it says there was an earthquake. 
and the stone was rolled away. And when it talks about these guards, the word trembled in Greek, it's basically saying they had their own earthquake. There was a physical earthquake in the world, then they had, their, they had a, a physical, personal, emotional earthquake when they saw this angel, and it says they became like dead men. And so here they were like dominoes. They'd fallen down unconscious from, from terror. And either as the women arrived, they, had, they were still knocked out cold in fear, or they'd run away like scared puppies. Either way, they were no longer in charge The enemies of God were defeated. They failed at their duty, incapacitated by the power of God. And they knew that if they failed at their duty, their their lot was execution. What we see here is that the Romans, the soldiers, Pilate, the religious leaders, Judas, Satan, and all the demons of hell, everything that was aligned against the Son of God and the glory of God, every scheme, every power, every plan in that moment were declared to be defeated. All plans to oppose God utterly failed. Resurrection Sunday morning invites us to come and see the defeated enemies of God. Here's the third thing. Come and see the power of God. Come and see the power of God. There was a big stone that was rolled in front of the tomb, probably eight or nine feet in diameter, a foot thick, weighing four tons. That stone was moved. It was rolled away. The angel did it. The earthquake came. The angel came from heaven. That stone was rolled away. And he sat upon it in victory, the Bible says. Just picture that in your mind. This eight-foot stone. There's a foot ledge. And there's this big, powerful, bright, shining, white, fearsome angel sitting on it. I don't know about you, but as I thought about that, I, I just thought there's a bit of humor in this moment. I can see the angel sitting up there, his arms crossed a big smile on his face, the 16 guards laid out flat cold, their weapons just calling or falling at their side. I can see this angel with a smile on his face just thinking, make my day. God wins. Satan, hell, Romans, soldiers, you didn't win. God wins. Well, the angel didn't move the stone in order that Jesus could get out as if he was like banging Like, hey, let me out. I need to get out of here. The stone was rolled away so that we could see in and see for ourselves that the tomb was empty. And so the women went in and they saw the place where Jesus lay. Alex and I and perhaps some of you, I think, in this room have had a chance to go to Israel, to go to the garden tomb, and to see, to go in and to stoop and to go into that garden tomb and to see the place where Jesus may have laid is one of two sites biblically that they think are the actual, actual sites where Jesus Christ was laid in his death. What an experience that was if you've been there going in and seeing that place where the body of Jesus may have laid. Well, regardless of that was the exact place, we were there and the tomb is empty. And strengthened by the grace of God, these women, unlike the soldiers, managed not to go unconscious. For the angel spoke to them and he said, as he often did, when people see angels, they said, he said, do not be afraid. Verse five, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. There's a lot of fear in that. There's a lot of heartache. He said, he's not here for he's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And here's the reason for the empty grave. The body wasn't stolen. The Bible said that Jesus has been raised by the power of the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here was the Trinity, Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit, Christ risen from the dead. Do you remember the video from Sunday? Dr. Lockridge, that's my king. As he said in the video last week, and I'm going to do my own best interpretation of his voice, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. He says it a lot better than I do. But death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost was this. It says, God raised him up, raised Jesus, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. The resurrection is our story. It is our theme. It was Peter's sermon. It's our hope. And the angel gently reminded the women that Jesus' resurrection should not surprise them because it happened just as he said. And in that moment, Luke records in Luke chapter 24, it says they remembered his words. They didn't get it until that moment. This was the aha moment for them. He said, come and see. Come and see these grave clothes. Come and see the cloth that was over his head. Come and see it folded by itself. And they didn't know, they couldn't understand all this would mean at that moment, but they would never be the same because Jesus was alive. Their future now includes the risen Jesus, the Savior of the world. He is risen just as he said. And if you believe in Jesus Christ today, whatever was before, whatever was past, whatever is the old life, from that moment on, you will never be the same. Thanks be to God. Come and see the power of God. Here's the fourth thing. Come and see the risen king. Now we could stop right here. We stop right here and it would be a really cool story. If we were story writers, they left, they were told what to do and they left with joy. That could be the end. That would be a very cool story. God was showing up in power. They met these angels. There had been an earthquake. The soldiers are lying dead, unconscious, like dead. The bad guys were taken out. The stone is rolled away. They looked inside. They see that the hero... Their, their Savior was risen, and now they're filled with joy and going to tell the message. That could be the end of the story. That's pretty awesome, considering that Friday had been a really, really bad day, and the last two days had been really bad. But this was only the beginning, and all that was about to happen in just the next few moments could not compare what was just around the corner. As quickly as they left to tell the disciples what they had seen, the surprise of surprises, the best was yet to come. It's as if they had tasted a drop of joy that had filled them, filled their hearts to overflowing. And what was about to happen is they were about to be plunged in this ocean of absolute joy. Look at verse 9. And behold, Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus in pursuit of them, said, Greetings. And they came up, and they took a hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. The best that was yet to come was that they saw Jesus. And if seeing the angel of God was mind-blowingly great, how life-shakingly, life-transformingly awesome was seeing the God of angel armies, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God in the flesh, face to face. How awesome was that? For the last you saw him, he was disfigured and beaten and bloodied and battered and lifeless. And now, there he stands before you, radiant, glorious, healed from all his wounds, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the victorious King, and he speaks your name, and he greets you, 
And you hear his voice again, like you'd heard him before, teaching and praying and speaking words of compassion and speaking your name. And you heard just a couple of days earlier his final three words with the last bit of breath that was in his lungs. It is finished. And all of this is running in your mind as a tape. And then he says to you, Jesus greets you. The risen Lord says, really what the Greek indicates was it was a phrase just like we would say, good morning. Good morning, hello. And you hear his warm voice and you hear his inviting voice filled with life. And what did they do? They fell at his feet in worship. Wouldn't we do the same? If we could see Jesus right now, our hearts would burn with love and with joy and there would be something indescribable. I know it would be true. And that's going to be our future, that we hear him speak our name, that with our eyes we see him and we will fall at his feet in worship and adoration of the king who did what he did on the cross for us. And we will see and we will bow Remember that old song, He is Lord, we used to sing, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Maybe we just sing that for a second. Can we do that? Just that last part. Every knee shall bow. Come on. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there'll be tears of joy streaming down our face. This is the work of God. This is the love of God for us. This is the gift of God offered to us today who believe in his name. And so God says, come and see the risen king. In the little bit of time that we have left, let's ask this question. What's the significance of the resurrection? Well, Christ was not only crucified for our trespasses, but on the third day he was raised up again for our justification. We have been forgiven and we have been declared not guilty. The Apostle Paul preached this message to the Corinthians and he said this is what is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that God raised him from the dead according to the Scriptures. He has been raised from the dead and we will be raised with him. I've been thinking this week about my dad who went home to be with the Lord five years ago, six years ago, actually. I was just thinking about my dad in the presence of Jesus, raised out of the old life because he loved Jesus and because of what Jesus did on the cross and paying for his sin and raising him up to new life. Well, every day, brothers and sisters, is is the resurrection day for us. Every Sunday that we gather is the Lord's day. That's why the disciples worshiped on Sunday. It was the Lord's day. It was was a commemoration of his resurrection. And the resurrection just doesn't stop at midnight today on April the 4th, 2021, and we'll, we'll tuck it away and put it aside and we'll bring it back again a year from now because we're resurrection people. Every Sunday that we gather is the resurrection of the Lord that we remember. And here's what this means for us. The resurrection means that Jesus is alive and that he's the son of God and that he is Lord. That's what it means. The second thing it means is that the word of God is true. The word of God is true and the power of God is real. 
The third thing it means is that our salvation is complete. That Satan, our ancient foe, is defeated. Fourthly, it means that we have power for living and that we are loved without measure. And finally, the resurrection means that our resurrection, our future is guaranteed, our heavenly home is waiting for us. Jesus is preparing a place for us. That's what it means. Do you believe today that Jesus Christ died and rose again on the third day for your sins? Do you know Jesus in this life-transforming, life-altering way? Can you say amen to that today? This is the hope we have. Resurrection Easter Sunday morning is God's invitation to come and see the risen King and to believe in Jesus and to never be the same, to know that the wrath of God has been absorbed and that we, through Christ, have become children of God. This is the miracle. The grave is empty. Our future is secure. And today we are going to take God at his word. We're going to trust him and believe him that Jesus is alive, that he is Lord, that he is king, that he is God, and that he's coming back for us. This is our hope. We are worshipers of the risen king as those women were. And today God says this, come and see what you missed. Come and see the enemies of God defeated. Come and see the power of God and come and see Jesus. Come and see him and hear his voice. There's a song that we're going to sing. These words are in it. The power that raised him from the grave, listen to this, now works in us to powerfully save this resurrection power. He frees our hearts to live his grace. Go tell of his goodness. And then it says Christ is risen He's risen indeed. And in honor and praise and worship and adoration and devotion to the risen King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We will praise him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because he is worthy. Let's pray. Jesus, our tongues confess that you are Lord that you are risen from the dead and you are Lord. And Lord, our hearts, our knees, our lives are bowed before you today in awe of the King, in honor of the conquering Savior, in worship of the God who is worthy, holy, 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 in love for the one who has saved us. And so, Lord, we sing your praise Endless hallelujahs, Lord. May they be in our hearts and in our tongues for the glory of your name. We are people of the risen King. And Jesus, we love you and thank you that you have loved us. It is in your great and awesome name that we pray these things. All God's people said, amen.
sing hallelujah. When Christ's disciples lift their eyes, alive he stands, their friend and king. Christ, Christ he is risen. Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Join the chorus, sing with the redeemed. Christ is risen, he's risen in Where death and darkness once had been, they saw him and their hearts beat. But blessed are those who have not seen. Christ is risen indeed, right? You could go across the world today and meet a brother and sister in any continent and you say, Christ is risen. They say, Christ is risen indeed. This is our hope. 
This is our global hope. It's our universal hope. It's our hope as the body of Christ. It's our hope as a church. The power that raised him from the grave now works in us to powerfully save. He frees our hearts to live his grace. Go tell of his goodness. That's our mandate. We are people of the risen king sent to go. And as we go, the same Lord Jesus Christ, the same power of God works in you. Hear the word of the Lord as we go this morning. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and honor forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Go in peace, people of the risen King. Christ loves you. Amen. God bless you.